This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following program contains graphic images. Viewer discretion is advised. Today, on an all-new Dr. Bill, his family was murdered. You wanted them dead. And his teen daughter convicted. You're part of a plot where two guys with guns and swords massacre his family and then burn his house to the ground. None of this makes any sense at all. It was senseless. Now. You haven't told the truth yet, have you? The interrogation continues. What is the truth? A Dr. Phil exclusive. Was his little girl the mastermind? I, I probably added fuel to the fire. Your father deserves the truth. You gave the command. Just do it. Is that true? The shocking conclusion. Can a father forgive? Yesterday, we talked about one of the most horrific murders in Texas history. On March 2nd, 2008, 16-year-old Aaron Caffey convinced her boyfriend and his hunting buddy to murder her family. Miraculously, her father, Terry, was the only one to survive. Take a look. An attack on a Range County family left a mother and her two sons dead and a father in the hospital. It was early Saturday morning when father and husband, Terry Caffey, crawled to his neighbor's house after being shot. Police say Penny Caffey and her eight and 13 year old sons were shot and stabbed multiple times before dying. The house was then set on fire. In custody are 18 year old Bobby Johnson, 20 year old Charles Wade, and 19 year old Charles Wilkinson. He's the boyfriend of 16 year old Aaron Caffey. She's the victim's daughter and has also been arrested. Each faces three counts of capital murder. According to court documents, Wilkinson confessed to police that, quote, he and Aaron were in love and the only way they could be together is to kill the parents. Wilkinson allegedly offered Wade $2,000 to help. Aaron was never interviewed by police, was never cross-examined by a prosecutor, and has never really been questioned about her role in the murder of her family. Aaron Caffey, now 22, gave me an exclusive interview from prison where I was the first to finally get to ask her the tough questions. Everyone, including her father, the sole survivor of that night, have never asked. On yesterday's show, Terry watched as Aaron talked for the first time. She revealed to me more than she has ever admitted to anyone before. Take a look at some of those highlights from yesterday's show. What did they do that was so bad that you were willing for them to be killed? Nothing. You had two little brothers in the house. Did you think they were gonna be killed? Crossed my mind, yes. These are bullet wounds in your father's body. This is where they shot him in the face. This is where they shot him in, in the head. Your father, Terry, heard Charlie tell Penny, die, bitch, die. And then he took a samurai sword and started cutting her head off. Looks like just go inside, get your stuff. I'm not going to put it for you having that box. 
So this guy kills your whole family, then you have sex. What were you thinking and feeling about that? Um, I didn't enjoy it. How'd you feel about your family being dead? Uh, I didn't want to think. Erin continues to say that she was not the driving force behind her family's murder. She said, look, it wasn't me. I just got caught up and swept along in this. Despite her accomplices swearing that she was the mastermind. I confronted her on the truth of what happened that night. Take a look. What is the truth about what happened that night? That I knew about it and was okay with it. I mean, just... You knew they were going to kill him. You knew they were taking swords in there, right? That is the sword. You saw that before it went in the house, correct? Because this is the sword that they used to slit your mother's throat. This is, this is the sword they used to stab Tyler in the back of the neck three times. I mean, that's the truth, you knew about it. The other three say they were trying to get you to run away, but that you emphatically insisted that your family be killed. That's what they all say. Isn't that the truth? Because if you continue to perpetrate this lie, your father has said that he forgives you. He forgives you for telling him what you've told him you did. He hasn't forgiven you for what you did. And this will never be healthy for him or you if you don't deal with that. Because here are the problems. In your written statement to the police right after the murder, you said, I woke up in a house full of smoke, two guys with swords. Then you said, when you got to this other house, that you drank something and then couldn't remember anything. But that's all a lie, right? Because you didn't smell like smoke. You weren't in that house when they set it on fire, right? You were in the car waiting for them to come back. And they said, when you were pulling away, that you said, holy that was awesome. Anybody say anything in the car after y'all left the house? Mm -hmm. Boy. Uh, parents said, holy that was awesome. Did you say that? Did you say, I'm free? No, sir. Charles Wade said you were happier than a kid at Christmas at that point. In, in your young brain at the time, was it a victory for you? They were gone and, and you were safe? <laughs> they have said independently that you said you wanted your little brothers killed because they picked on you and that you didn't want them in foster care. And isn't that the truth? You didn't say that. You didn't want them dead. Wasn't it your idea to kill your parents? Really, because Charlie says it was your idea. Bobby says it was your idea. Bobby's cellmate, Jana Combs, said that Bobby started talking about Erin, saying that she was being abused by her parents. Were you abused by your parents? And that she went on to tell me that Erin convinced them, Bobby, Charlie, 
and Charles Wade to kill her parents. Then Misty Lures, who was Bobby Johnson's cellmate, said that the two boys, Charles and Charles, were talking, and the girl said, just kill them and laugh, the girl being you. Do you know Jawanda Rose Brandon? She said that you came to her around Thanksgiving, and she said to me, Rose, I think I'm going to hire someone to kill my parents. And then Charlie told her the same thing. He said, I'm going to hire somebody. You know Kyle Ainsworth? You don't know any of these people? He said he was sitting at one of the tables, and Aaron and Charlie were talking about something, and then she said, my parents don't want us to be together, and the only way we can still see each other is if we killed them two weeks before the murder took place. Charlie says he begged you, let's just run away. And you said, no, I want him dead. I want my parents dead. Is that true or false? I mean, he did say at one point, let's run away. And I had told him, my, no, my parents are gonna be looking for me. Do you think all of those people are lying? No, I don't think they're all lying. Now, one thing that, that I do believe Aaron shared that when she got in the car, she said actually the two boys were high-fiving her and Bobby were hysterical crying. And I believe it was Charlie said, not a word of this. Anybody says anything, you'll be dead just like them. But you heard her say and affirm to me that when they were arguing, she said, just go do it. Mm -hmm. She gave the command mm -hmm for the family to be killed. Yeah, I, mean, I believe she said that, and that's where she crossed the line, and that's where she's got to be accountable. Well, according to reports, Charles Wade agreed to participate in the murders in exchange for $2,000. Part of that payment was supposed to come from the savings that the family had hidden in a lockbox tucked away in the laundry room. I asked Aaron about that. Here's <clears throat> our conversation. Your parents had a lockbox with a combination. Who told Charlie the combination? I, I guess I did. I don't remember that, but I guess I did. Well, they, they had to get it from somewhere. It, let me tell you what Charlie says, and you tell me how much of this you agree with, because I bet you probably agree with most of it, that they came at one point to do this, and the dog was barking, and it woke your father up. And so they left and you called him and said, come back, I'll keep the dog quiet. Is that true? Mm -hmm. You talked to him six times between 11.46 and 12.48. Then the dog's barking, they leave. You talked to him seven times between 1.22 and 1.58. Because you were, you were talking him in, right? You, were, you had the dog under control, everything was okay. And that's different than what you've been telling your father because your father thinks that you were just calling off the runaway, but you, you had your bag packed. You, you were ready to go after the killing, and then they found you at this place, right? Were you hiding under a blanket? Where did you think you would go the next day? Did you have a plan? Didn't really have a plan. You told this therapist you had broken up and that he came in and killed your family and then framed you for it. 
right? But that wasn't true, correct? Why did you lie to him? I don't know, I guess to make myself look good, probably. But aren't you still doing that now? Tell me what you think I mean when I say if you don't come clean and be completely honest that you're never going to heal from this and that your father's never going to heal from it. Mm. People say my dad just wants to brush things under the rug, so to speak, and say that, you know, his daughter didn't know nothing about this. And that's, I mean, I think we've established I did know, but you know, he says, you know, my daughter did not mastermind this. And I mean, I didn't. And I mean, I know that all this looks bad and everything, but I didn't know what they went in and did that night. At some point, you've got to step up and say, I've done enough to this man. He deserves the truth. Coming up. Where did y'all know how to look for the money? She told y'all where the money was? Yes. She's giving them information to use inside the house because she knows they're coming in the house. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth. But when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. The last thing I said to her is, doesn't he deserve the truth? Mm-hmm. You know, what makes no sense is there was no plan after the fact. What do we do? You know, they threw a sword not only the sword in a river, but they Aaron's suitcase is floating in the river. I'm thinking, why would her suitcase be in a river? The next day, you're not going to be able to go shopping. The whole country is going to be looking for her. You're going to need clothes. What do you do? They were asked by investigators, what was your plan, mm-hmm. the three of them? They had, they, no, they plan. had no plan for yeah, the next not, day. They had no plan. It, it was Charles that bought the boots? Charles bought the boots. Um, Bobby went to work. Mm-hmm. Um, in his debrief, Charlie said that their only thought was that Aaron would lay low for a while. And when Charles bought the boots, he then took you to where the other boots were, correct? The next day. Um, he, he, Up under the he, bridge abutment? He bought the boots. Um, he was apprehended shortly thereafter. He confessed. The next day, he came back and wanted to come clean er. I suppose, and he then led the investigators out to the creek where the sword was, where the one lockbox was, where Aaron's suitcase was, and the boots were, the old, the bloody boots were in the box from the new boots stuffed underneath a bridge. And he left them there because if he got away with it, he said then he would have two pair of boots. <laughs> That's what he said. As a matter of fact, the money I think they used, to, or he used to buy the boots, was stolen from my wallet or the lockbox. You understand too that there's no question, if we say what was her level of involvement, she had to tell them where the lockboxes were and what the combinations were. 
Right. Now, Charles Wade reveals some very detailed and damning information in his confession tape about this point. Take a look. Where did y'all know how to look for the money? Aaron. She told y'all where the money was? Yes. Where was the money? And she said that there was money in a lockbox. Where was the lockbox? It was uh, over there where the... Um, you walk in the bathroom, uh, go to the left. Uh, you'll see a washer and dryer on your right. And on the left-hand side on the floor, there's a little gray box. A little gray box. A little lock box. Yeah. But so it was in the laundry room, bathroom. Okay. Where else did y'all get money from that she told you where it was? Uh, the wallet and the purse. Where was the wallet and purse? I don't know. Charlie found those. Okay. I do believe that she gave him the combination. And she gave, according to what he's saying, and he is correct, of where to go in mm -hmm. and turn and where it was. This isn't Charlie. This is Charles. Right, right. So... He had the specific information. And if you're running away, that involves people leaving the house. Mm -hmm. That doesn't involve people coming in the house. Mm -hmm. She's giving them information to use inside the house because she knows they're coming in the house. Mm -hmm. Because this isn't a runaway, it's a murder. Mm -hmm. I have the phone records here, <laughs> Lisa. Uh, in these phone records, we have all of this phone chatter between Aaron and Charlie, what did you make of that when you were investigating this? That was one of the most corroborative things to the statements that the other three gave. Charlie was so detailed in telling us about Aaron calling him from the house uh, repeatedly and then asking them to come over and then calling later again, asking, where are you, where are you, where are you? 13 times mm -hmm. she talked to him as they're working the yeah. details of this out. She's telling me that their conversation is, first of all, where are you at? He said, don't come. She said, don't come. Let's talk about this. They're just back and forth. Let's not do this. First, let's run away. If she was running away, why did she leave her suitcase behind? Right. I asked her that same thing. And I told her, I said, it would have made more sense if you want to run, run away, run away. At least your, your family would still be alive. But... but you can't make sense out of nonsense. Mm -hmm. Runaways take their stuff and run away. Mm -hmm. You know, you're saying, well, what she maybe she wasn't planning on runaway. She had already planned on to kill her family. Mm -hmm. If I was going to do that, I think I'd be dressed, shoes on, jacket on, suitcase in hand. Let's get out of here. Go do what you're going to do. Okay. Um, some important questions I still have for Aaron when we come back. Coming up. You knew they were coming to kill your family. Your father deserves that truth. Did you mastermind this crime? Erin continues to claim that she was not the mastermind behind her family's murders, yet admits she did say she wanted her family dead. I've got an entire notebook here where people are saying it is your idea to kill your parents, that you were emphatic to kill your parents. They would say, let's just run away. I mean, hell, come on, let's just run away. No, I want them dead. Are they all lying? You know, every young girl said, oh, I wish my parents were dead, oh, but I didn't mean it. I know as you are here now today, you don't mean it. 
I get that, Aaron, I really do. But you've got to own it at the time. I've got your phone records here of, of you calling them in the two time periods, talking them through it, walking them in. You knew they were coming to kill your family. Your father deserves that truth. I know it to be true. You know it to be true. The prosecutors, everybody knows it to be true. But your father's in denial about it. He's out saying, oh, you know, she got caught up in all of this and she's a victim. And that's just simply not the case, is it? Are you a victim here? I mean, no. Did you mastermind this crime? Were you the motivating force behind this happening? If not the motivating force, a motivating force. I, I probably added fuel to the fire. You wanted them dead. Tell me what you're thinking. I wasn't thinking that not, I mean, I wasn't like mad, mad at them or anything like, like that. Just, I feel like it just ha happened. You got tired of them bickering and said, just do it. Is that true? I'm sorry? Yes. You gave the command, just do it. You've got to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with your father. If you do, then you can forgive yourself. You can ask and accept his genuine forgiveness. You can't get genuine forgiveness embedded in a lie. You have to tell the truth. You get why I'm saying that to her, yes, right? Yes, yes. You can't get genuine forgiveness right, embedded in right, a lie. Yes. And the thing that worries me is she knows as she's sitting there, mm -hmm. she knows that what she said to you is not forthcoming. Mm -hmm. She knows that, which means she is still living with this lie, in my opinion. Up next, yet another twist to this horrific story. It left police stunned. Was this the first time Aaron had asked anyone else to kill her family? You won't believe what investigators found out almost by accident. It left no doubt in their mind that this was all Aaron's idea. You don't want to miss who's coming up next after the break. The police interviewed an ex-boyfriend of Aaron's who says Charlie wasn't the first she tried to enlist to kill her family. Now, Terry asked Aaron about it, and she denied it. He chose to believe her. I also asked Aaron about it, and here's what she said. You had a boyfriend before Charlie, right? Didn't you talk to him about killing your parents? You never talked to your ex-boyfriend about killing your parents. Why would he say you did? We actually tracked down Aaron's ex-boyfriend, Michael Washburn. Here's what he had to say. Aaron and I met when we were about 16 years old. 
at a church camp. Aaron got along with everybody. Aaron's parents, Penny and Terry, were very strict. Aaron used to sneak around and disobey her parents. I did not see any troubling signs in Aaron. One day I said, how are you and your parents doing? And she said, I just wish they were dead. A few weeks later, Aaron asked me if I would murder her whole family and burn the house down, and I told her no. I thought you crazy bitch. I told her to get the hell out of my house. Aaron and I never spoke again after the last conversation. Never thought Aaron would actually have her family killed. Well, Michael is joining us via satellite today. Uh, Michael, thank you for being here. Tell me again, what did she say? She said, how would you feel about killing my parents? Did she bring up burning the house down? Yes. What'd she say? She said, to, you know, after you do it, you can burn the house down and nobody would ever know. Okay. Um, you did not react well to that. No. What, what did you say to her? You crazy bitch, get the hell out of my house. Did I, you have any sense of why she wanted to kill her parents? I mean, she she's told me that, you know, her parents wouldn't wouldn't let her be around me and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't let us be by ourselves or whatever, and I was fine with that. But, I mean, I guess she had, you know, other plans. Did you ever talk to her about it again? No. Okay, so that was it. You, you had that one conversation. You said, yeah. nah, this is crazy. Get out of here. And... So you two broke it off at that point. Right. All right. What's, what's your reaction to knowing this? Well, I'd like to add to this, no doubt. Certainly he's going to be upset at, with us, and he made this statement that, well, her parents were just too strict. Well, yeah, we were strict. We were at church one day. We we're having a fellowship, and one of the ladies came up to us and said, we have a situation outside. I had to separate the two of them, Michael, Michael. and Aaron together at a picnic table. She was sitting. He was in front of her and trying to grope her. Uh -huh. Go up her shirt. I've met with him in a hallway at the church and asked him to leave. And so, yes, I was a little strict. Right. But this is evidence, testimonial evidence, mm -hmm. that before she was dating Charlie, mm -hmm. she had in her mind to have her parents killed. Mm -hmm. She told me, she said, I was mad at you because you busted us or you made us split up, and then I was angry and told him, I wish y'all were, were dead. That's what she had told him. Mm -hmm. So she told you part of the, mm -hmm. what he's saying, but not all of what he's saying. Um, well, uh, it was three weeks before the murders that she asked Michael to kill her family, according to Michael. So... Here, we now have one, two, three, four people that are testifying. Michael, with, with nothing to gain, these three that we looked at, their statements, with a lot to lose if they lie. The death penalty hangs over their head if they tell a lie. Mm -hmm. So it, it has to start beginning to be clear that you have to entertain the possibility that this was her desire to do and not that she was just a passenger. Can you agree with that? Well, I agree with that. All right. All right, we'll be right back.
coming up. In the letter that she wrote, she says, none of this was your fault. If anything, it was mine. Will Terry change his mind about his daughter's role the night of the murders? I mean, I was angry. I mean, there was times I wanted to go back there and grab her and just shake her. Why? Aaron Caffey is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 25 years for capital murder and will be eligible for parole when she is 59 years old. But four months into her stay, she wrote her father, Terry, a heartfelt letter. You wrote a letter to your dad from prison. You said, Dear Daddy, none of this was your fault. If anything, it was mine, and I'm paraphrasing here. I never wanted any of this to happen. I was just going with what he was telling me. He was feeding me all of these lies. I got caught up in him, and I feel so guilty. It's about Charlie there, right? What lies was he feeding you? Um, if I just kill my parents, everything will be okay. She said, even though this happened, I still feel sad, but at the same time, glad I'm free from the pressure that was being put on me. What, what pressure? Hmm. Being in a relationship with Charlie. You mean pressure from Charlie, okay. So you say, I'm sad, but at the same time, glad that I'm free from the pressure. So the death of your mother and two little brothers was that a good trade? Here's what I worry about. Healing doesn't begin until you have the truth. And you have told so many different stories and, and theories here, none of which comport with the facts. You told the police what I read to you here. That was a lie, right? Then. You, you told your father a story. You, you told one of your counselors a completely different story, right? You said you were kidnapped, but that was a lie, right? And I know you haven't talked to Charlie since this happened, correct? And you haven't talked to Charles Wade, and you haven't talked to Bobby, you haven't talked to anybody, but the police have talked to everybody. And they are all telling exactly the same story, even though they were interviewed independently. They all tell the same story, and then you tell a different one. And you haven't told the truth yet, have you? What is the truth about what happened that night? In the letter that she wrote, she says, none of this was your fault. If anything, it was mine. To, to me, that really sounds like a, an absence of both empathy and remorse. When you read that, did you think, yes, you're right, it, it is your fault? Yeah, I mean, I was angry. I mean, <clears throat> there was times I just wanted to go back there and grab her and just shake her. Why? Thank I, you. I was angry. <laughs> Thank you. I, you need to. You need to allow yourself mm -hmm. the right 
to, to feel that. Not that I don't want you to forgive her, but no. at the same token, if you're going to drive yourself crazy mm -hmm. if, if you don't allow yourself to acknowledge what's done here. She says, I never wanted any of this to happen. Do you believe that? I really believe deep down she didn't want her parents killed. I really do. It just got in over her head. But you know that she planned this, right? Right. I believe that she, yes, she did. She had part in the planning. And, and you know that they were going to kill all of you the week before this happened. Mm -hmm. But your father passed. Right. So this wasn't just like she in a fit of adolescent rage made a bad choice. Mm -hmm. This was planned across time mm -hmm. for several weeks or months. Mm -hmm. She had many opportunities to say, uh, mm -hmm. bad idea. Yeah. Uh, she said, I was going with what he was telling me. He was feeding me all these lies. I got caught up in him, and I feel so guilty. I love you, even though this has happened. I still feel sad. But at the same time, I'm glad that I'm free from the pressure that was being put on me. Well, I told Aaron, I said, it would be better to deal with the pressures, what was going to talk to us. You know, even if we would have found out the things you're doing, yes, we would have been upset, but you would still, if you were to talk to us about it, at least your mom and brothers would still be here. A, a narcissistic, antisocial personality doesn't know what to say. They can mimic things mm -hmm. that they see others do, but they don't know what to mm -hmm. say. She says, even though this has happened, I still feel sad, but at the same time, glad. Mm -hmm. About what? Mm -hmm. What in the world would a reasonably thinking individual mm -hmm. be glad about? There's, there's that disconnect mm -hmm. that's there that tells me that there's a lot more going on here than what we've talked about. You can't change what you don't acknowledge, and don't you owe it? to your wife and your two little boys to make sure that the truth is known and that she owns what she did here? Well, absolutely. Because if they're looking down on this, they're going, you know, what about us? What about fighting for the truth for us and for you? Coming up. I got to the point I just couldn't handle the pain anymore. I have a gun in my hand, and I wanted to take my life on that very spot where I lost my family. We've been talking about a terrible tragedy today. Um, a wonderful family. People admired Terry as a, as a strong Christian man and father and, and husband. Uh, his wife, Penny, was apparently just an absolute delight. Uh, the three kids were favorites in the community, and that, that is part of what makes this tragedy so horrific. Uh, there was a point which Terry said he just no longer wanted to live. I got to the point I just couldn't handle the pain anymore, and I wanted to take my life on that very spot where I lost my family. I remember shaking my fist up towards God, and I said, God, why would you take my family? I have a gun in my hand, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a piece of paper flapping in the wind. It was a page out of a novel, and it said, 
I couldn't understand why you take my family and leave me behind to struggle along without them. The first line is all I could read. My eyes were filled with tears. That one single page came from a book called Blind Sight. I never read the book, but Penny did. I knew this was certainly a message from God. That message was that I was going to be able to go on with life and that there was a purpose. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you believe that was a message from God? I do. I mean, I'd hit rock bottom. I mean, I thought my only solution is just take my life. You know, the pain that I was dealing with, all the depression, the anger, the bitterness, the rage. I just couldn't take it anymore. Had you not seen that page flapping in the breeze, would you be dead now? I believe so. I believe so. I'm so glad you're here. I need to tell you my thinking for a minute, and you do with it as you will. I respect and admire the fact that you love your daughter and that you want to forgive her. When I talked to her, it was clear to me um, that she's in turmoil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a smooth-running psychopath, or as we call them today, antisocial personalities, have no capacity for empathy or guilt. She does have some capacity for that. She does have feelings. That's mm-hmm. something to build on. Mm-hmm. But if this young woman is allowed to continue to perpetrate a lie, then she will never ever get beyond it. She'll never get beyond it. Here's what I believe. I believe that 16-year-olds don't really have a full appreciation for the concept of death and the choices they make. I mean, her brain isn't even through growing yet. It'll grow till she's 25. Uh, This wasn't a runaway gone bad. This was a poorly thought out strategy on her part to be free. I think she is lying by omission when she tells you, I just got caught up in it. She has to own this. And if you don't require her to do that, then she will continue to live a lie. And I don't know if you are afraid that you won't be able to forgive her. If you ever admit to yourself that she was a, a driver in this evil doing, but I have more confidence in you than that. I think you will be able to forgive her. No doubt. You're right. No matter what, I forgive her. But I appreciate what you said, that you see that there is hope for rehabilitation for her to get help in the counseling she needs. She needs to take ownership for her part in this. She can have a life with some freedom and joy, but not while she's living with this lie. That's just my opinion. Aaron's last message to her mother and brothers when we come back. Want to know what's coming up on Dr. Phil? Visit our website and subscribe to our email newsletter. You'll get weekly updates, life strategies, and exclusive video that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, on drphil.com, you can see sneak previews of upcoming shows. Log on today. In the face of such a tragedy, Terry has made the decision to forgive his daughter, something many perhaps could not understand or be able to do. I admire him for his strength in doing that. Before I said goodbye to Erin at the Hilltop Unit of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, I asked her if she had anything to say to her brothers and mother if they could hear her. Here's what she said. 
If Matthew and Tyler are hearing this right now, what would you say to them? I'm sorry. I think that's all I could say. And to your mother? She was, she was right. She was right about? Everything. Was she a good woman? Was she a good mother? Did she deserve what you might happen here? I want to thank Terry and thank Michael as well, and a special thanks to Lisa Tanner, Assistant Attorney General for the great state of Texas uh, for being here today. Lisa, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Terry has written a book called Terror by Night about this horrific story. It's available in stores right now. I've read this book, and if you're a parent, you should read it too, because it does talk about the tragedy, uh, but it is also an inspirational message. It's an inspirational story of, of strength and grace, and you did a great job on this, and I, I hope people will read it. And uh, everybody in the audience is going to go home with a copy of this book. Um, and a special thanks to our medical team at Doctor On Demand for assisting us with some of our guests in preparation for the shows this week. If you at home want to have your own Doctor On Demand, a new app we created, go to Google Play or the App Store and download the Doctor On Demand app. All right? For more information on today's show, please go to drphil.com. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you so much.